How did Jamika handle it? Oh, uh, she came to my uh, dorm room and and uh, um, dropped the suitcase full of my belongings. <laughs> 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 and uh, she walked out, and then uh, the next week I went to uh, the, the local club, and she was there with another guy. <laughs> If you're out there, I'm Aaron Falk, Tony Jones here with the Salt Lake Tribune. Maybe give us a five star rating on iTunes if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take this podcast and I'm gonna put it on her Facebook page. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell her to listen. I'm gonna tell her to listen to this. Jamaica, you will always have a place in my heart <laughs> and I will always love you. Uh and um you still look like you're nineteen, girl. Beautiful. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. All right. Welcome back. Week two of our of the Salt Lake Tribune two. Trib Jazz Podcast. We started this one off with a bang. <laughs> We're uh, thanks for those who listened last week. We're up on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud now. If there's a place you want to hear us, but we're not, um, hit us up on Twitter at Aaron Falk or Do we go Trib Jazz? Trib, Trib Jazz. Jazz. T. Jones, SL Trib, let us know, um, and we will try to get you there. Tony came straight here, back from the airport. We will try to keep this relatively quick. I know he's got the limo idling. Don't want the Perrier to get flat. Driver get cranky. Order, so, di- order Diet Coke. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, Tony, we've got a, now we've seen a scrimmage and a couple of preseason games. I'm not entirely sure what we've learned about the Utah Jazz it's the preseason. It's like officially, it's just the preseason. Everything uh, has to be qualified. I don't think we've learned much. So let's 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 play just a little a little game. Something we know for sure. Something we probably know, and something we don't know at all just yet. Um, is there one thing you know for sure after two preseason games? I think the one thing that I know for sure. Uh, the one thing I know for sure. Goodness, now I think it's – now I, I was going to put Gordon in this, but maybe I'm going to put this in a probably. But here's what I think. I think Gordon Hayward is going to have the best year of his career. I That was my one thing that I knew for sure. Yeah. Not not that exactly, but what I know for sure is that Gordon Hayward is good. We don't need to – we don't really need to watch the rest of the preseason and, and figure out if Gordon Hayward's going to be okay. He is really good. Um, and the game looks like it's slowed down for him. Uh, even more than ever, um, he's he's so much noticeably stronger. Um, you know, there was a play last night uh, where uh, he, he had the ball on the on the fast break, and and Marquise Chris uh, challenged the dunk at the rim, and Chris actually blocked the dunk, uh, but Hayward, well, Chris got his hand on the ball, but Hayward was so strong that he just went through him like he wasn't even there, and he dunked on him. It was such an impressive play. Um, you know, his jump shot is good. He he looks like he can take over. He really looks like one of the best small forwards in the league right now. Yeah, he's scoring, like you said, in a, in a bunch of different ways. That that little turnaround last night when he got a, a mismatch, oh, Brand, that, Brandon Knight on him. And that, that was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's looked great. Um, and we still really haven't seen all, I think, all the benefits that we will see of George Hill and some of these other, you know, this this better cast around him. 
uh, got a story out today, but just talking to one of uh, the trainers in Indianapolis who's worked with George and Gordon, who thinks that George could give Gordon three to five more points in his scoring average. I don't know if that's true. That might be uh, a bit ambitious, but but he should open things up for him. I mean, this I think this guy has Gordon has a, a really nice shot to to have a, a, a you know, like you said, the best year of his career. I think he's I think he's a twenty two five and five kind of guy right now. Um, and if he goes 22-5-5 and five and they're winning games, I mean, that's going to equal an all-star berth for yeah. him. Yeah, 22 would be almost three points, so we'd be right in that range. I, I, def- I definitely think he's going to average 20 points a game this year. I really do. All right, something we probably know after after two preseason games in a scrimmage. You got something? Um, we probably know that, that Rudy Gobert is better than he was last year. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, he's he's healthy. He seems very spry. I, I remember last year at this time, he just seemed really tired. Um, uh, he's got a bounce in his step. Um, he's put up two double-doubles uh, in his preseason games, 10 points, 13 rebounds his first game, uh, 21 points, 10 rebounds on 13 and 14 free throw shooting, and three blocks last night um, against Phoenix. His, his activity um, – uh, from foul line and below and rolling to the basket has been tremendous. Uh, he's going uh, he's going up with authority. Uh, he's dunking the ball. He's getting fouled. He's making foul shots. Um, still got to catch that thing. He's he's dropped a lot of passes the first two games. His, yeah, how, how nice would his box score look if he could have just <laughs> held on to even half of those yeah. entry passes that he had in, in Portland? But. You know, other than that, I mean, he's he's been he's been really good. Yeah, I still I still want to put um, his free throws in the you know thing we don't know for sure. We yet. don't know for sure. I mean, he he was to knock down thirteen in a row though, is a really good sign for that guy. And and you know, he was off the floor at the end of, of games at times last year. And I know I know a lot of teams want to go small. Maybe that will happen anyways. But you also have to be concerned. You see it with Drummond. With with DeAndre Jordan, this the hack a shack, the whatever we're gonna call it with Rudy, Mabagab, Hakrebru, whatever. I mean, he, he, if he can make those free throws at 65 percent, even he's gonna be on the floor more. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he's he's the same guy that he's always been uh, defensively, um, and you know, he's just been a factor um, offensively uh, during his during uh, his first two games. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen, but he, he, he looks good and he looks like, uh, it, he looks like he's trying to put last year, uh, behind him. He's had some, that was a disappointing year for him. Yeah. Um, something we're, we're still waiting to find out, but I, I'm almost, I, I'm in between something we probably know and something I'm still waiting to find out on this one. I think Dante Exum is going to be okay. Yeah, you know, I've always, I mean, uh, you know, I've always been the 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 Dante Exum flag bearer um, in terms of what what I think his his potential and his ceiling was. I mean, it, but he showed a lot of that potential last night. Um, you know, I was so impressed with what he he did defensively against Devin Booker. Um, you know, but offensively, he was, you know, being his man to the basket. He was decisive. Uh, he he uh, he tried to dunk in traffic on a fast break. Um, you know he's he was just really decisive in his movements. Where he was very indecisive um, on Monday, he looked he looked really good. 
Yeah, his those those bounce passes in the paint to a couple of them to go one one to go bear off a pick and roll. One really nice one to Gordon. One really nice one to Gordon, and then and then you see you see the speed and, and vision when he goes baseline. He's hanging out of bounds and wraps around and somehow finds Rudy. I think you know that's a pass that maybe gets him in trouble every once in a while, but just to see him make that. Uh, Really, really positive sign, especially after just seeing he looked a little hesitant and his timing was off in he, Portland. He showed he showed a dynamic ability off the dribble that I'm not sure anybody else on this team has. Now the thing about it is, you know, he's gotta put it together and he's gotta make decisions, you know, once he gets into the lane. And that's the part where he's been where he struggled very mightily with on on, on Monday. And that's the part that he uh struggled with in the scrimmage. Uh, last week and that that's what he's gotta that's what he's gotta refine but you know when it comes to to actually getting into the lane off the dribble I mean he's he's shown um through his first two games that he can do it really easily yeah uh we should probably give a quick update on on his knee it was a bit of a scare he's okay <laughs> he, he crashed you know momentum takes him into a into a baseline seat hyperextended his left knee that is the knee that he he tore his ACL on and had the surgery on um purely precautionary that he sat out the second half of that game though should, he, no he worries should be Jessica, fine right he should be fine yeah. Quinn Snyder was very dismissive of the question <laughs> uh post game last night said Dante is going to be fine all right all right so there you go um another thing I'm, I'm still waiting to find out how there's been so much talk of of connectivity uh obviously chemistry it's going to take a while how long i mean what are uh, you know i don't expect a specific date but but what are you seeing right now and after two games where we've seen you know 19 and and 22 turnovers respectively well i mean you know it's going to take a while for uh, i think it's taking a while for joe johnson to, to find his comfort um you know the you know you're playing right now. They're playing three point guards. You know, so I mean, it's like it's almost like playing three quarterbacks. Each one is different. You know, and the rest of the team has to, you know, get used to to the differences and the nuances of of each guy who's running the offense. So, you know, I, I think, you know, once the the rotation pairs down, you know, but uh, you know, the the one thing that you got to say there that point guard. I mean. Sh- Shelvin Mack's making it difficult on Quinn Snyder because he's playing well, um, and you know it's it's going to be difficult to to not play him because I mean he frankly deserves to be a rota- a rotation guy. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but in terms of connectivity and in terms of uh, symmetry and chemistry and all of, all of those words <laughs> above. You know, I think it's just going to take a while, and it's going to, you know, I, I, I expect it to be the first two months of the season just kind of experimenting with different lineups and, and different different places. Going going back to Shelvin and, and the point guards, I mean, come come trade deadline, do you think there will be four, those four point guards still on this roster? Well, are we uh, – is, is there a, a device to my head? Yes. Yes. A there's squirt, a, a squirt gun. There's a squirt gun to my head. Uh, um, I'm gonna say no. What do you say? I, I think it's it's hard to carry. I mean, last year they didn't even carry three. I think it's hard to carry four. Right. Um, you know, 
especially if they can somehow, you know, if, if there's no deal for Derek and no extension deal for Derek and somehow they work out a deal for, for George or something like that um, where you have some sort of long-term safety, you think there's going to be a team out there at the deadline that needs somebody and Shelvin Mack or, or, or maybe Paul is going to be some, some, a piece that could fit in for somebody and they're going to have to say, you know, hey, we, we can get a little bit back on, on this, whereas we can't play four point guards. Right. I mean, that's the thing. You, you just can't play four guys at yeah. the point. I mean, you know, for as long – and here's the thing. I mean, for as long as Alec Burks is out, you know, Quinn can, you know, do a few things and get creative and say, hey, you know, Dante, you, you play the two for now. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, when, when Alec comes back, you know, and Dante goes back to, to the point guard – uh, spot full time. I mean, it's going to just be really difficult to play uh, even three guys, much less four. Yeah. Um, all right. So sw- switching topics a bit here. Uh, we saw in, in Portland the Jazz make a bit of a, of a statement with with the in the during the anthem. Portland and and Utah both did. Um, can you walk us through that? And, and obviously, and it sounds like there was some uh, kind of you know meeting or, or what have you that, that went into this. Can you tell us what that was about and, and how long they plan on doing this? Well, there were some lively discussions, um, you know, throughout the team. And, you know, there was there were disagreements in terms of, hey, you know, we don't want to disrespect the flag, disrespect the national anthem. Um, you know, there are guys with, that have military backgrounds um, or have family with military backgrounds. So, you know, it, it was like, you know, just like everything else. I mean, this is a polarizing issue, and, and for the Jazz, it was no different. So, um, it was good that you know they came to a consensus and and figured out a way to to kind of, um, you know, make a uni- unifying gesture. Um, you know, Ronnie Hood said that they're going to keep continue to do this. Uh, they plan on continuing to do this. So. Um, it, it, it'll definitely be interesting um, to see how long they do. Uh, but it's happening across the league. You know, that should be noted. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's something um, that I think sparks dialogue. And I think that that's right now what we need is, is dialogue and communication. Yeah. And, and so basically what they did was um, ha- standing, still standing for the anthem, arms around each other. Although I think just looking at, Photos and videos. I think I saw a few with uh, hands, hands on their hearts, hearts still. Right. Um, but basically, the, the message out of the locker room seems like you know, sort of a unity and embracing each other. Right. Um, it, it does seem like this is a pretty popular approach at this point um, around the league. Portland was in a circle, but did something similar. I saw Washington do something similar like this. Um, I think you know, teams and, and PR departments have had some time to sort of get a grasp on this issue uh you know it's been obviously a few months since since Kaepernick started doing this I wonder I don't know how much you want to get into this but I do wonder do you think it it diminishes the the message or the dialogue at all when it's um when it's so widespread when it's not so widespread but also I mean like the Kaepernick protest is really is quite stark to see someone right. kneeling, and, and he's he's obviously outspoken, and, and obviously, like you said, everyone's coming from a, from a different perspective. Right. Um, do you think these things were, were now we're seeing it pretty uniform and and pretty palatable? It, it, it right. seems like. Um, do you, I mean, what, what, what do you, what's your take on that? Well, I think I think my take on it is, 
you know, the 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 more widespread the message, the better. Um, you know, you're you're quite right in terms of, you know, what the Jazz did and what teams around the NBA are nowhere near as as stark as is what uh, Colin Kaepernick did. I mean, he's kneeling for the anthem while everybody is standing. You know, other select football players, you know, they're put they're raising their right fist, you know, to the flag, and that's pretty stark as well. I mean, those are. Those are what you say, quote unquote, you know, protest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are different. With Gesture, the Gestures, statements. They're different. Um, so, but it's certainly a protest of, of the status quo, if nothing else. I think it's a protest of the status quo. I think that what LeBron and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and, and, and Chris Paul did in the ESPYs this summer um, with their statement, I thought that that was a pretty stark statement as well. Um, you know, but it's. It's it's okay to to protest and straddle or to make a statement and straddle a line as well, you know you don't have to go. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you know, kneeling for the national anthem in the NFL is not illegal by league rules. It is illegal in league rule in terms of league rules in the NBA. Going back to to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, um, so you know, in the NBA. That's on paper. It's on black and it's in it's in black and white. There's no such rule in the NFL, you know. So you can push the envelope a little bit uh, legally without any ramification um, in terms of fines or you know worrying about suspensions, you know, from from the NFL. So there's a difference there. And the other th- the other difference is that the NBA had a, a a month and a half sample size on how to handle this and sent out a uniform letter. Um, from Michelle Roberts and Adam Silver to every single player in the league, you know, saying, hey, you know, this is what we can do, you know. So the NBA has been a lot um, more catering towards the players uh, than the NFL has in terms of working with the players to come up with some feasible and reasonable solutions. So I think that those are some of the differences right there. Yeah, and, and if it's going to happen all season, you know, maybe, maybe it morphs one way or the other, but uh, – it's interesting and, and I think probably pos- very positive to have these guys use a, a quite visible platform for some social good. Um, sw- Want to switch gears one last time, and this is this is jazz uh, related, but maybe not jazz specific. Uh, friend of ours, Josh Vinson, had a uh, an Josh inter- <laughs> had an interview with Benji Burke um, for Fox Sports Radio in D.C. Uh, in which he was he was asked about Trey Burke staying positive despite some of the struggles in Utah. And he, here's the quote from, from the interview with Josh Vinson. Uh, First, faith in God. Nothing is worth anything without some adversity. This is, this is how Trey stayed positive. Quote, second, he knew, and so did the jazz management and coaching staff, that he was a better player than Dante Exum and Howell Neto. Numbers never lie. What what do you what do you think of that? I mean, when when you saw that, what was your your initial impression of this? My initial impression was, oh no, <laughs> uh, that was my initial impression, and I, and I say that that was my initial impression because I've had a lot of dealings professionally with Benji Burke, and I covered Trey Burke for two years. Yes, I covered Trey for two years, and. I really, really enjoyed working with Trey, and I really enjoyed working with Benji. Um, I enjoyed his candor, um, but when I saw that, I was just like, "Oh man, it's you know, 
is just let it go, man. You're gone. Yeah. Like, you, I, I saw I saw something that you posted on Twitter though that I thought was was kind of insightful. Um, something along the lines of that you kind of have to remember that in a way this right this yeah. I mean, can, can you say it, what you repeat what, what you said in a What I said that. was nobody believes in Trey more than Benji, and Benji has always from the time he coached him to his time in Michigan, to his time with the Jazz, he's always had an unwavering faith in Trey's ability. And that faith and that unwavering belief, uh, in, in, in at least in part, is one of the reasons why Trey's in the NBA today. Because Trey Burke is 5'10 and 170 pounds. Uh, he's nowhere near the quickest guy. He doesn't – he's not Allen Iverson. He doesn't have, in, you know, insane genetic athleticism. You know, so – you know, Trey Burke has gotten to where he's at by having a real chip on his shoulder for years and years and years. And weird, and and that's helped him in the clutch. Uh, that's helped him at Michigan. And that belief that his father has is, you know, obviously rubbed off on the sun. Trey Burke thinks when he has the basketball that he's the best player in the world. And that is not a bad thing because if nobody else believes in you, and how can you believe in yourself? You're not going to be successful at what you do. So that that belief that Benji has has helped Trey. It's also been counterproductive for Trey as well. Yeah, and I and I, I mean this this sort of all I mean the Burks had always been quite vocal on social media, um, and it really kind of came to a head starting at the season opener last year in Detroit. Trey gets you know. Can't remember if he just DMP'd the second half or or what exactly, but um, you know they they were very upset. And I remember asking Trey about that after that game, uh, or the next day rather. And you know he he basically said, yeah, you know I don't really like that my parents do that. <laughs> um, I stay off Twitter; it's a distraction. You know, uh, I and I think they can be overprotective and, and oversensitive. Right. But I do I do think you raised an interest you raised an interesting point about. Um, you know the support and, and that sort of a thing, and that that tends to happen. Uh, the numbers don't lie thing was certainly interesting because, I mean, Trey. All right, in, is is Trey better than Dante Exum or or Howell Neto? In in certain aspects of his game, maybe maybe in in that his game is more refined, refined and closer to its end product now than than either of those. Um, and maybe he has a higher ceiling than, than even Hell Neto. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we saw what Trey Burke was. He came with a lot of expectations. They trade multiple first-round picks to move up to grab him. They need a point guard. He starts as soon as he's back from that injury his rookie year. Volume shooter. I mean, look, he, he started the other night in Washington. Here's his line. 14 points, 5 of 13 shooting, 1 of 5 from 3, 5 assists. Uh, plus minus of negative seven, which was the best among the starters for for the Wizards that night. But it's a very Trey Burke line. Um, Good player. I wish him well in in Washington. He might have to play. John Wall's hurt. I will say this. My man Andy Larson, our boy, he took those numbers and he obliterated. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, if you're listening, man. And I don't. I mean, and, and I don't think that at the end of the day, the Jazz coaching staff and management thought that that Trey Burke was a better player than than Dante Exum or Howell Neto. And it started that that night in Detroit as well when he got 
run around pretty ragged by Steve Blake, who is not in the league this year. Yeah, it was uh, that was that was tough to watch. Look, I've always listen. I'm I'm a small point guard, so I always champion my small point guards: Trey Burke, Damon Stoudemire, Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton. You guys are my heroes. You you put in that Stockton thing. Just, I, just I had to, to throw the Stockton thing. <laughs> listen, my man, my Mia Culpa, my Mia with the Jazz. Listen, Olive Branch, Olive Branch, Jazz fans, Olive Branch. <laughs> so I, look, I mean, when it when it comes when it comes to being a small point guard, um, especially in this league, I mean, more often than not, you're gonna have to have a chip on your shoulders. Yeah. So you know, and Trey Burke has that. And I think that he can be – if he could just find a way to be efficient, man, he can, he can be effective. And he's shown that at, at different times. But he, he's – he didn't fit with the Jazz because he didn't fit the system. No. Trey, and, he, and the numbers that ultimately don't lie right. is, is Dante Exum is 6'6", and Trey Burke, like you said, is 5'10". Right. I mean, that's exactly. going to be the big, one of the biggest things. Exactly. And then when you're Trey Burke, you know, here's how he survives in this league, by playing in a pick-and-roll dominant system where he's going to have the ball and have free reign to create for himself and his teammates. If he does not have the ball in his hands, like with the Jazz, um, where he was spotted up in the corner a lot because, you know, the wings had the ball, um, it's going to be it's going to be tough for him because he's not going to defend at a high level in this league. He just doesn't have the tools. But he can score in this league, you know, and that's where his, that's where his value is ultimately going to lie. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, th- Tony, thanks for the time. I'm going to uh, just. What are we naming our podcast? I don't know, man. We're still we're still taking submissions. I'm sorry, Jamaica. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. And until then, let's just fade out. That's how most of my relationships have ended. <laughs> Later. Later, guys.